To many, he was a symbol of greatness, a beacon of hope during a turbulent era. But behind the polished facade, there were whispers of a different truth. As the story goes, Lincoln's legacy was built on more than just lofty speeches and noble ideas. Some claimed that he had harbored a different side, hidden from the public eye. They alleged that he was willing to make morally questionable decisions to secure his place in history. And then there were those who questioned Lincoln's motives in pursuing the presidency in the first place. But did he truly have the best interests of all Americans at heart? Or was he simply driven by a thirst for power and personal ambition? In the end, history is a complex narrative, woven from the threads of countless perspectives and interpretations. Abraham Lincoln, for all his greatness, and he does have some, may not have been the flawless hero he's often portrayed as. Like all of us, he was a product of his time with strengths and flaws that shaped his legacy in ways we may never fully understand. very controversial opinion, Eric. Yes? I would say that Abraham Lincoln is overhyped. Now, that is probably one of the most controversial things that you could say concerning presidents because he's typically considered the first or the second best president after George Washington, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine I have quite a bit of explaining to do starting from this position. But my theory is that Abraham Lincoln, after he died... His reputation was sanitized a little bit where people didn't want to speak poorly of him after he died. So they only said nice things and typically it were more excusing of his failures. And as a result, we remember him for all the good things he did, but we don't necessarily remember him for any of his failures. And as a result, we have a reinvented Abraham Lincoln, a bit of a... A legend, not really the true Abraham Lincoln, who was just an ordinary, not an ordinary person, but a human just like the rest of us. And he had his failures and his weaknesses just like any other president. But a lot of these are excused or explained away. And even some of his mistakes are then even characterized as successes or that the blame is shifted to other people because you wouldn't want to blame Abraham Lincoln for any of the bad things that happened because, you know, he's Abraham Lincoln and he's a great president. And so therefore everything he must have done must have been the perfect and correct way to do things. Now, what I'm not saying here is I'm not going the other way and saying that Abraham Lincoln was a bad president either. What I'm just saying is he's actually a fairly average president. And from what he was, a, a lawyer who became a politician and eventually ran for president and became the president of the United States. And then the United States dissolved into a civil war. 
I think he did the best you would expect from somebody in that position, but I do not think that he is the greatest president or the second greatest president of the U.S. So perhaps that is maybe even the, the worst camp to take because people who don't like Lincoln are going to go, well, no, he was terrible. I'm like, nah, he was okay. And the people who are like, he's great. I'll be like, nah, he was okay. So uh, this might be the most controversial episode of Bizarre Conspiracies. Hmm. Abraham Lincoln was just an ordinary president. <laughs> now, what got me started in thinking of this is... Abraham Lincoln is actually kind of an interesting way that I came up with this theory is when asked who the best general for the Union was, Robert E. Lee, the leader of the Confederate Army, said that the best general the Union had was George McLennan. This caught me by surprise. I don't know if you had ever heard of George McLennan, Eric, in history class. Had you at all heard of George McLennan before uh, if I had, episode. I surely don't remember at the moment. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole lot of the Civil War that is easily forgotten. I mean, history is not one of the uh, most important topics in, um, I, I suppose, U.S. history. I think that the Civil War is something that you learn about in like middle school and early junior high. But then once they get to high school and college, they concentrate more on contemporary things. And you, you just go, yeah, he, I remember hearing a little bit about the Civil War. That's when there was that whole thing about slavery, right? And that's about the extent of your knowledge. Mm -hmm. But George McLennan is typically seen as the worst general. <laughs> it's often called the worst general the Union had. And now here I was reading this quote from Robert E. Lee, who said that he was the best general by far. That the Union had. And I go, well, that can't be true. And in looking into that, I've come to the conclusion that although I think that Abraham Lincoln was very good at trying to get groups to cooperate, because you would think that in the Civil War, that the Union would have a lot of unity inside of the North, right? That all the Northerners would generally be in unity together, right? And they'd all be backing mm -hmm. Lincoln was not the case the actual north was very split abraham lincoln was the first republican president before that there was the democrats and the Whigs, and there was a lot of northern democrats even though that the south had a lot of democrats and that we you generally think of the south as the democratic group when thinking of the civil war it, it's now not that way anymore than the south is republican but the north is the democrat back in the civil war the south was more heavily democratic but there were still a lot of the Democrats in the North, and I think they actually had different types of Democrats, even among the Democratic Party back then. So there was a large portion of Democrats, and then there was still the Whig Party in the Union, and then there was only a small, well, not small, but there was the Republicans, and then there was two main factions inside the Republicans, and the most famous of that was the abolitionists. Mm -hmm. And Abraham Lincoln, although he was an abolitionist, was not the strongest of abolitionists. So he had all of these different groups politically in contention with one another inside of the Union. And it was quite a fractured political mess in the Union. Abraham Lincoln was amazing when it came to trying to get all of these groups to work together. And so he would create a very moderate group where he would include people from every different of the factions into his cabinet. And he would allow people who disagreed with him to have uh, large amounts of say in his administration. And in that regard, he was very good at unifying 
fighting a fractured North. But I don't think that Abraham Lincoln was a very good general. And really? He wasn't a good general. You would, Isn't that what he's known for, though? Like, more than just him being assassinated as a president? Like, he was known for being a good general? Yes, he is. Take Stalin. Mm -hmm. Stalin was a bad military leader. He was constantly firing generals who were disagreeing with him, and he would always be promoting generals based not on their competence, but based on their loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. And as a result, the uh, Soviets lost significant amounts of soldiers going into straight assaults on the Germans because that is what Stalin ordered. He wanted progress. So he would fire the generals who were not delivering the results that he wanted and then he'd get more aggressive generals and those generals would attack and they'd be defeated and then he'd replace them with other generals thinking that it must have been the generals that were wrong and not the strategy and then he would send those ones forward and they'd be defeated and then that would rinse and repeat over and over and over again. But that is exactly what Lincoln was doing. Lincoln wanted an early victory. Abraham Lincoln did not want a long drawn out civil war. He mm -hmm. did not run for president to become a military leader. He wanted to go about the business of being a regular president, doing regular political things, and not a president in the middle of a war. So his first general that he appointed, his name eludes me, but went and was defeated at the Battle of First Bull Run. And then he replaced him with George McLennan. And then George McLennan went and fought a campaign in the Peninsula Campaign, where instead of attacking from D.C. down south into Virginia and then marching on Richmond, he instead loaded his army up on ships and then sailed around and went up a, the Virginia Peninsula and attacked Richmond from the south. And Abraham Lincoln did not particularly like this plan, but he went along with it. But he was never really a big fan of it because he was afraid that that left Washington too exposed. And then after the Battle of Shiloh, which Stonewall Jackson defeated, he had a small army of like 30,000 soldiers or maybe was even less than that, like 15,000. And he went and attacked several different places along the border of Virginia and Maryland. And he made Abraham Lincoln concerned that there was going to be a southern attack from Virginia while the army was on the other side of Richmond because they had gone south and landed. So <laughs> essentially, he was thinking that Maryland was left open and very vulnerable. And so he was not at all thrilled with this. And then the Peninsula campaign was supposed to be over in like two weeks and it ground on for like two or three months. And eventually he recalled them back to Maryland after they had been pushed back in the Seven Day Battle. Though, to be noted, in the Seven Day Battle, they lost less soldiers than the Confederates, even though the Confederates were outnumbered and then went on the offensive and lost more soldiers. So in a sense, the Union position was improving very slowly. Abraham Lincoln still ordered McLennan to retreat from the Peninsula Campaign and come back and defend D.C. from what he considered to be an imminent assault from Stonewall Jackson's small force of 15,000 soldiers. Hmm. Which, funnily enough, Stonewall Jackson had already left the border and had gone south after doing the few skirmishes. I don't know if they're really called skirmishes if they're holding 15,000 soldiers, but after defeating three different Union groups that he isolated and attacked separately that amounted to, you know, way more soldiers than he actually had, 
and giving the impression that he had a much larger army. He then moved south and then rejoined General Lee for the battle against Clinton in the Seven Day Battle on the Peninsula Campaign. There was no one in the south who was at that time planning on attacking DC because they were too busy defending Richmond from the attack from McLennan. So McLennan believed that to be the case, that there would be no attack and that that was all just a diversion. Abraham Lincoln fell for it and pulled the plug on the Virginia campaign and ordered him back, even though at that point the position was actually slowly improving, even though they had a minor setback. Anyway, then once they got back to DC, McLennan was fired and replaced with Pope who he was told to be much more aggressive. So Pope then went and was defeated at the Battle of the Second Battle of Bull Run. And then his army was then scattered back to Maryland and they were being chased by the Confederates. So it was quite a desperate situation where their army was routed and it was being pursued as they were moving towards the capital. So it was in dire need. McLennan was then appointed back into command and then he gathered the forces and then moved out within three days of the routed army coming back to the capital. Went and fought Lee at the Battle of Antium where it was a stalemate of sorts, but because Lee had less soldiers, the attrition caused by the fighting caused Lee to have to withdraw from running low on soldiers. But Glennon did not pursue him as fast at all. So Abraham Lincoln, being upset with the lack of progress with McLennan, fired McLennan and put Burnside's, I believe that was next. Burnside's was very aggressive and at the Battle of Fredericksburg he assaulted uphill into fortifications uh, a literal stone wall not the figurative Stonewall Jackson but mm -hmm. a figurative a literal Stonewall Jack uh, Stonewall up a hill so they went across the river up a hill and attacked a stone wall and that did not work and so he was routed and sent back he fired Burnside's and put Hooker in charge and then Hooker went and he was defeated at the Battle of Chancellorville which I I don't really think that that one was so much Hooker's fault. That's considered Lee's best battle or best strategy where he completely took the Union by surprise by outflanking them, <clears throat> by splitting his small army in half and then going and attacking them on two different sides, which is typically considered what you would absolutely not want to do if you're the smaller force fighting a larger force, which is exactly why Lee did it because no one would expect him to do it and since no one expected him to do it, that's why it worked sort of a thing. So he was then defeated and then Lee fired him and put in charge Meade and then Meade went and fought Lee as Lee was moving forward after having defeated the Union twice, once at Fredericksburg and then at Chancellorville and then was moving forward into Pennsylvania and was going to encircle and attack DC from the north. Meade then went and fought him at the Battle of Gettysburg where he defeated Lee but just like before when McLennan did not pursue after him as quickly and did not get crushing defeat that Abraham Lincoln wanted, Abraham Lincoln then replaced Meade with Grant. And at this point, you know, several years had gone on since the start of the war and eventually through attrition the south was worn down and not to take anything away from grant i think grant was a generally capable general but at that time it just lee was not able to successfully defeat yet again another army larger than his and then he was flanked by general sherman who was gone down to georgia and then so it cut off his retreat 
and Grant was able to defeat him and then that ended the Civil War. So mostly what I discovered from doing that is, well, hold on a second. Abraham Lincoln only had one piece of advice that he gave to his generals, and that was attack now, attack more, attack harder, attack faster. That was like the same thing that he told every single one of his generals every single time. And when Burnsides and Pope and Hooker all did it, they were all defeated. And we don't go, well, their issue was they didn't listen to Abraham Lincoln because that's exactly what Abraham Lincoln told them to do. And they were defeated doing that. But if you take a look at McLennan, whereas most of the other generals always lost more soldiers on the Union side than lost, like the only two that didn't was McLennan and Meade. And both of them defeated Lee and then did not pursue after them fast enough or in a timely fashion that was suitable for Abraham Lincoln. Because Abraham Lincoln wanted a decisive battle that would quickly bring it into the war so he could get on doing other things, which the war was getting in the way of prosperity and, you know, general everyday good things. Because at the end of the day, war is a very wasteful, terrible thing and nobody wins from a long protracted war. Even the winner still has extremely bad losses and it would be better if you could have something else. And so Abraham Lincoln just kind of wanted to skip to the end part. So he was always hoping for a decisive battle. And when Lee was always withdrawing away from the battle and not having a crushing defeat where he was, his army was entirely surrounded and defeated, he got impatient and would fire the general and put somebody else who was more brash in charge who would then go out and get defeated. And then he'd be back on the defensive. That's my theory. Not saying that Abraham Lincoln was a bad general or no, no, not that Abraham Lincoln was a bad president or that, you know, anybody who knew anything would be better than him. I totally understand where Abraham Lincoln's coming from. And I totally understand why it is that he would do that sort of a thing. So um, why was he why hyped he up for American history? Well, I think that he did a lot of really good things. Or is it just we just had a different perception of him throughout well, he, all these years? Let me give you an example. Abraham Lincoln was a backwoods kind of a lawyer because he grew up on the frontier in Illinois, a little even further west than Ohio. So he was seen as a country bumpkin uh, by the elites in Washington. And so they, they didn't really like him. And he always was trying to get people to work together. And take, for instance, McLennan and his successor, Pope, did not get along. And a lot of the people who were like the, the admiral who was working with McLennan did not get along. Both of them were always trying to take the glory and pin their failures on the other side. It was very fractured. If you look at them, it's really hard for us to see that in today because the U.S. military between the branches all have significant amount of cooperation. You would never, ever think that a U.S. admiral today would ever try to undermine a general on land today over a personal disagreement, right? Because the military is so unified. But that was not the case back then. So Abraham Lincoln was working very hard to try and promote unity among a very fractured group. And so they always, nobody really liked him because he was not among the elite. He was seen as that country bumpkin. He enjoyed a lot of entertainment, which they all considered a substandard, I suppose. He liked pretty, going Pretty frowned to, upon. Um, like, he preferred, like, gypsies dancing and that sort of a thing. So, like, he would have not immoral things, but, like, was considered, <laughs> you know, that's weird. <laughs> sort of thing. And he, he went to, uh, like, mediums and that sort of thing. He was a bit of an odd character who came from the West. 
But after he died, that's kind of forgotten about. You never really hear that. You just kind of have to dig into it and figure out, well, no, actually Abraham Lincoln was a little bit of a rowdy character at times and liked to have fun, but it was the sort of thing that nobody would tell you about. You never hear that sort of thing because the people after he died kind of didn't mention that because they wouldn't consider that the sort of thing that they would want somebody telling at their funeral. He had just led them through the war and they got out the other side and they had won. So they didn't want to give him too much trouble. And I don't want to give Abraham Lincoln too much discredit. I think Abraham Lincoln did a lot of great things, but I just don't think that he should have been in meddling with his generals as much. I think it's all right to replace some generals every now and then. And McLennan, although I think that McLennan is unfairly bashed as a terrible general, I think that he didn't help his case at all because he was a very arrogant prick and didn't get along with anyone. And he made a lot of people like Abraham Lincoln dislike him. And because there was so much personal dislike for him, it was hard to trust him. And so Abraham Lincoln had very little trust in a lot of his generals, especially McLennan. And I think out of all the generals that he should have trusted, probably actually should have been McLennan. Because if he had trusted McLennan in the Peninsula Campaign and had worked together was trying to help McLennan succeed, as opposed to tentatively going, well, okay, McLennan, you can go this long, but at this point, you have to come back. And that will conclude today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. And as always, we will catch you in the next episode. <laughs>